0: Have your Bibles, if you would turn to Psalm one, two, six. Okay, so a series called "Living the Dream." Let's start with verse one. Psalm one twenty-six, song of ascents. When the Lord restored, say restored, the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. When the Lord restored. The fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Verse 2, our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Man, has there ever been a time that needs to be restored? Filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. I want to ask you a question. Has anybody in this place laughed this week? How many people don't know if you laugh this week So let's be honest a lot of people it's a, it's pretty it's it's a pretty uh, serious time we live in and it's pretty hard to find areas of laughter but I want to tell you when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion we began to dream again our mouths, We're filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Then it was said. I'll be honest with you. Why would people want to come to church when they look at your life? And I don't mean that in a, oh my gosh, you're not perfect. I mean, if you're not full of joy, if you don't have a smile on your face once in a while, if uh, all they see is stress and anxiety, uh, I would venture that they would say, "Why would I want what you have? I already have that. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are, man, I'm looking forward to this day. I haven't seen this day in probably probably 20 years, where I've seen people filled. I'm not just talking happy. I'm not just talking a moment of glee or joking around, or a situation that causes us to laugh. But I'm talking about when God's people are filled. You know what filled means? Filled. When you're filled with joy, it impacts every part of your life. It's kind of hard to be discouraged and depressed. It's kind of hard to be negative when you're filled with joy. I know in seasons of my life that I've been filled with joy, something crazy happens. When I'm filled with joy, I see the good in everybody. It's so hard for me to talk negative. I can't. When I'm filled with joy, I'm like, isn't she just the sweetest lady in the world? She's crazy, but I love her. (laughs) Filled. We need filled. Verse 4, restore our fortunes, Lord, like the streams in the desert. Verse 5, those who sow with tears shall reap with songs of joy. Man, if I could read this scripture to you, it would be like this. The Lord, restore the fortune. Lord, we need our mouths filled with laughter. Lord, we need to see again that you're doing great things. Lord, restore our fortunes. Lord, we're sowing in tears. It's about time we start seeing the second half half of the verses come to pass. Amen? Those who go out with weeping, will return with songs of joy. It kind of sounds like joy is the common theme in these verses. This series basically was birthed out of um, several different areas. Number one, this nation, which is... I consider myself a pretty easygoing person and I cannot even watch the news anymore without getting angry. I I can't, it's like I have to distance myself from all. But most of us would say, these are perilous times. These are joyless times. I'm finding even Christians that have the answers are not delivering them with joy. They're delivering them as accusations and I'm right, and you're wrong. There's never been so much divisiveness, and and I'm reading these scriptures, and it's so foreign. It's so foreign. A joyful heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth up the bones. Medically, it's been proven. Am I right, Andrea? Laughter heals. Joy heals. I mean, I'm, it's been proven medically. Even in the church. There's not very many people that feel like they're living the dream. Very few people believe they're living the dream. Most Christians are holding on to some hope that things are going to change or God's going to come in or their ship's going to come in. Very few Christians are content in their circumstances and filled with joy. I don't want you to say this out loud. I want you to point to people. But in your heart right now, can you name one person that you know that is a joyful person? Do you know anybody in your life that is living the dream? A lot of us could say right now, when I was little, I dreamt of doing this, and I'm nowhere near doing that. Come on. Some of you are battling right now to see your dream fulfilled, and it seems like on every corner, on every turn, something is trying to block it. Some of you, I know personally, have been crying out for revival forever. And it seems like there's just no, every time you think God's coming in at all, all of a sudden it just, Now I want to give you some background as we're getting into this. If you read Psalm 120 through, I believe it's 136, am I right in saying that? 134, somewhere in there. You'll look at the beginning of every one of those Psalms, and it says something at the top. See what it says? A song of ascents. And most people just skip over that and think nothing of it. Well, I want to tell you what most theologians believe that means. They believe that these psalms were sung as the people would return to Jerusalem, do their pilgrimage for the great feasts. Okay, so they would return to Jerusalem, listen to what I'm saying, and they would sing these songs. You know, it's kind of funny. It's, it's them really, if, if I could be honest with you, preparing their hearts to celebrate what God has done. So they'd be going along in groups, because if you know anything about even even uh, the uh, I'm losing the, the the name for it, but those that return to Mecca. Yeah, but what is the religion? Muslims. Thank you, the Muslims that return to Mecca. If you look at that. They go in groups from all over the world. They go in groups. It was the same way, and, and even in today, it's the same way with the Israelites. They returned, and as they returned, they would sing these psalms. Now, most of you don't realize, but these psalms were sung. They were written to be sung. We don't know what the melodies are. We can make them up for ourselves. We're not going to this morning. But they believe that these group of psalms were sung as they were returning to Jerusalem to celebrate what God had done. For example, one of the feasts that they celebrated as they sang these was Passover. Most of you know what Passover is. If you don't, it's when God delivered his people from Egyptian bondage, slavery, by putting blood over the doorposts so that the death angel would pass over them, okay? So they would sing these songs, just the background so you have some idea. There was joyful excitement as they got closer and closer to Jerusalem with the thought of celebrating what God has done. Why? I told you last week. We have to remind ourselves because sometimes the current circumstances can so be opposite of what God wants to do in your life, and we have to remind ourselves what God has done, right? I'm going to make one more statement, then we're going to get into this. What's amazing to me about the Bible is this. How Scripture can be written like 4,000 years ago and be relevant 4,000 years ago but also be relevant four minutes ago. This scripture was written for a time way past. It was written to celebrate oh, uh, thousands of years ago currents. Some believe, actually, when I was doing some study on this, some believe it wasn't just the pilgrimage, it was to celebrate when Nehemiah rebuilt the wall. Some of the great things that happened in scripture, they would sing these songs. These songs. But what's amazing to me about scripture is, is we can read that first verse and apply it to us. Anybody else find that incredible? Find another book that that happens. Find another book. You can't. There's power in the Word, right? There's power in the Word. So as we go through this, I want you to realize this is not something that somebody wrote, and it's just historical. Yeah, it is historical, and it has application to the past, but it also has application to your life. Somebody say amen. You can grab a hold of this this morning in faith. Today, all I'm going to do is cover verse one, believe it or not, and then we're going to go on from the series in the other verses. I'm going to read it to you one more time. It says, when, it does not say if, did you know that's important? Because a lot of Christians live their lives as if it says if. If the Lord restored, no, it says when, (coughs) excuse me, the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. You ever hear the phrase lost in translation? Most of you know that the Bible was not written in English. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek. And when you translate something from another language, a lot of times you lose the original meanings. You might get part of the meaning, but you don't get the fullness. So that's why you'll hear people say, well, I went back to the Greek or I went back to the Hebrew to see what it actually meant. And I did that this morning just on three words in this first verse. The three words that I looked at was restored, Zion, and dreamed. This is what it means in the original language. When I looked up that word restored, it gave me a definition of what it originally meant for the Hebrews, or for that time when they wrote it in Hebrew. Here it goes. Restored means to reverse or turn back the clock. Now see, Right away, that should give you greater insight to what that is saying. God restored, he turned back the clock. He reversed it. Listen, ready? It's not just talking about circumstances. It has an emphasis, are you ready? Are you ready? On relationships. Look it up, it's in there. God restored relationships, and he said it in two ways. With him and with others. I don't know if you're excited about that. There's people in this congregation that need God to restore a relationship. We're reading a scripture where it says, (laughs) when, not if, the Lord reversed course, turned back the clock, restored the relationship. There's people in this house this morning that need a relationship restored with God. Come on. There's people in this house this morning that just need a greater, deeper relationship with the Lord. I know I do. As I'm sitting there worshiping, I'm thinking all week of all the crazy things that went on and the things I needed to accomplish and getting into so many different things. But it's, it, it, you know, I'm one of those bunny trail guys. You get on something that leads to something that leads to something. The next thing you know, you educated yourself on absolutely nothing, but you know a lot about a little or a little about a lot, right? Okay. So in the Hebrew, I'm going to say it how I, how I believe it's supposed to be said. When the Lord restores whatever situation in your life that needs restored. I love that. When the Lord completes you. Now, it goes. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. You know what Zion means? In the Old Testament, Zion meant Jerusalem. So when they would return, they would return to Jerusalem. So they're singing, Lord, when you restore the fortunes of Jerusalem. What were they saying? When Jerusalem was returned to the Jews, when it became the city it was supposed to, when it encompassed the presence of the Lord, when the Ark of the Covenant was there, one, it became what it was supposed to be. I don't know about you, but I will say this. I can't wait for Canton, for Bradford County, for this region to be restored. Come on, Zion. Now, why would you say, how do you have the liberty to even say that? Because it also means the church or God's people. So here it is. When God restores God's people. When God restores the church. When God restores Bradford County. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was reading this, the study is, I started getting a little bit excited. Not if, but when God restores The fortunes of this region, we were like those who dreamed. I I like this part, because some of you need to grab a hold of this. Do you know what it means, dreamed, in the original language? It means prophetic, number one. But it also means to be healthy and strong mentally. It means to be at health. It means to mentally be at peace. We'll read it again. When, not if. God restores, makes you complete, gives you back everything that the enemy has stolen. Come on, somebody. The church, the region, come on, will begin to dream again. We'll be at health and we'll be at peace. Is that good? All right, a couple more things. How many people are old enough to remember the phrase, the American dream? I believe it probably has at least, it's, it's got a pulse maybe. <laughs> it's pretty tough. What the American dream was essentially is this. It meant that anybody from any background, if they worked hard enough, could accomplish anything. The reason why America was so, uh, so revered, the reason why people wanted to come to this country from the very beginning, from its inception, was because this country, the founding fathers, created a culture where anything was possible for anybody. If you put your mind to it and you put some sweat behind it and you were a godly person, God could do the impossible. Come on, somebody. It's the truth, right? That was called the American dream. All men and women were created equal. The laws were put in place to empower that every person had the possibility to succeed. How about this? Anything was possible. Young kids used to dream of being firemen. I even hate to say it, policemen. I guarantee you, most parents now are like, oh, you ain't going to be a cop. How about this? Kids used to dream of being astronauts. Doctors, doctors. Lawyers. Now people shy away from that because you walk away with $200,000 worth of (laughs) student loan debt. Come on, somebody. People used to dream and they used to let their kids dream. And the parents used to say, anything is possible because this land is the home of the free, you know, land of the free, home of the brave. It's open for any possibility. It's the American dream. I believe part of that has died. How about this? One of the most memorable speeches ever given was by Dr. Martin Luther King that says, I have a dream. And the dream was, again, that everybody was created equal, that it didn't matter what color you were, that everybody had the right to do what God had called them to do. Now hear this, Dr. King's dream was one of racial equality, and his vision and passion began to tear down the walls of segregation, right? Even to the cause of his death. He had a dream. I've never seen a time in my lifetime where that's crumbling radically. There's more divisiveness between races than ever, ever. Hatred and bitterness. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'll stop there. Where's the American dream? Where's the dream that we can all live together in peace, right? Under, one nation under God. The third one that I'm seeing, and this is very simple and very it's almost kind of funny, but I'm hearing this. I'm hearing more and more people telling me that they are having nightmares. Night terror. They can't sleep. They can't dream. The dreams they have are are horrible. The simplest act, listen, the simplest act, what God created us to do like eating is sleeping. The simplest act of being able to have a good night's sleep, having normal dreams, are rare occurrence. I hear people now saying they're lucky if they get one good night's sleep a week. What is going on? Some of you, and I won't mention names, gets the jerks and the jives in the middle of the night. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you're sound asleep, about ready to fall asleep, and all of a sudden, and then the legs are moving, and and I'm, I mean, I'm like, they actually diagnose it as restless leg syndrome. Oh, you've heard of that. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. My thing she could equally say to me is when I go to bed, in order, this is really crazy, in order for me to relax to fall asleep, I go like this. Anybody else do that? Ryan, am I right? Drives my wife nuts literally if she wants a good night's sleep she goes to bed an hour before i do so she can be out before i get there do you think maybe there's an issue in our country if our legs can't relax oh come on if we can't even get a good night's sleep without being woken because of this or that because our 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 dream i don't know about you but if you have financial issues i've been there where you can't sleep Because all it does is haunt your thoughts. How about if you're having relationship issues or maybe something, pressure at work? If God wanted to give some of you old men dreams, could he? Is anybody catching what I'm saying? We're supposed to be living the dream, and yet the American dream is crumbling. Yet I have a dream. Racial segregation is is greater than I think it's, you know, people say, well, at least People can go into any restaurant. No, no. There's more hatred between races than I mean. It's incredible. Don't kid yourself. It's like being birthed again, all over. And lastly, even the simplest thing of God saying, "Old men shall dream dreams." I'm not even sure it's possible anymore because I'll be honest, people aren't sleeping. And if you do sleep, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll be honest with you. Tylenol PM before it was taken off the shelves. Lord, Nyquil. Oh, come on. Come on. Medication to sleep because our minds are going crazy. What has happened? What has happened? The Israelites recognized it. They said, oh, we're like those that dream. Where are those who dream? We're at a point in time where I think people are scared to dream. They're almost afraid to believe for something greater because of disappointment. I've heard people say this to me recently and I'm like, I was blown away. Well, I'm almost afraid to believe for great things because every time I do, the devil hits me. How about this? Why do I hear comments of people that feel like they're stuck? Can we jump even like in the second gear and say, how about those that believe they actually can bring change? How about this? Those that believe and those that are encouraging their children to dream and dream big. I don't care if your kid is five, four and a hundred, nothing. I still believe in the Rudy stories. I still believe in the possibles. I believe that God takes the foolish things of this world and confounds the wise. I believe God still takes those that think they're not equipped and not uh, <laughs> come on, not worthy. And brings dramatic change. Where are those that are audacious? and bold, and even spiritually arrogant enough to dream. To dream. Not of what we can accomplish, of what God can accomplish through you. Where where are those people? Jesus said in John 10, devil comes to kill and destroy, right? Steal, right? Right? Is that what he comes to do? But I love the buts in Scripture. But God came to give us life, but not just regular life, abundant life. Where are those that have the abundant life? I think, listen, this isn't condemnation. I want you to grab a hold of this because this series, I believe, is going to restore life to the church. This living series that I'm going to go through, I believe, is going to restore life to the church. It's going to restore purpose because right now I see a whole lot of stuff going on without, without a whole lot of purpose. I see a whole lot of activity happening without a whole lot of purpose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can do a lot of things, but it doesn't mean you're accomplishing anything. Ephesians 3.20 says this. Now to him, God, Jesus, who is able, say he's able. Come on. Listen, ready? Able to do exceedingly abundantly. (laughs) Come on. To do above and beyond. Can I be honest with you? I love this. Exceedingly abundantly, more than we can ask. Or what? Dream. Dream. Imagine. Dream. Now to him who is able. Are you listening to me? Him who is able. First of all, we need to recognize it's him who is able to do exceedingly beyond what we can dream according to what? That that lies within us. The impossibles will become and remain impossibles until we believe what resides in us, until we dream again. Until we dream. I I would love to be able to take every one of you this morning and shake off every disappointment that you've gone through, every bad decision, every time you hope and it, it seemed like it was smashed. Take it and just start afresh. Start over. I can't do that. But what I can do is say, listen, we cannot and will not see all that God has for each one of us individually, nor the church body, unless we have dreamers. Unless we have people that believe, unless people that say, you know what? I'm going to live the dream. I might not be living the dream right now, but I'm going to be living the dream. This week for me, with all that's going on, I had to get into the bylaws of the church because we need to change our bylaws because some things are coming down the pike real quickly that if we don't, we're going to be forced to do things that we don't believe in. So I was working on that. Plus I was working on the insurance change and coming up with a plan and I was working on several different things, just doing a ton of, of different things. And as I was sitting there going through this and printing this out and doing this and studying this and, you know, I was going up to IHS for lunch and I'm bringing the homework with me and, you know, and I, I, at one point I said, you know, I'm not a whole, I'm not doing a whole lot of living right now. I'm just doing and it's tiring, right? It's tiring when you step back and realize I'm mentally tired because I'm just doing, I'm not being or living. And it really, it really began to speak to me as I was had prepared this message in the series. I'm sitting here thinking I'm doing the very thing I'm going to be talking about. I'm not dreaming. I'm covering bases. And so with this mentality of exhaustion, you know, you get that way. I had a pastor stop in here for 15 minutes. It turned into two hours. Pastor, a local pastor in a church. 15 minutes, we just start talking. Next thing you know, and some of you will know what I'm talking about, the anointing started coming. And next thing you know, I ended up ministering to this guy literally for two hours. Blew him away. Not again, not me. I started dreaming, and I started sharing him, with him what I thought this region could become. I started sharing with him where it had come from. I started sharing with him the prophecies. I started sharing with him some of the things that God had spoken. I started sharing with him some of the testimonies of what God was doing through people already. And by the end of the conversation, literally, we sat right there. He sat there and was just like this. He's looking at the corner of his eye, just looking at me, speechless, going, Wow. I didn't know that was possible. And as as we walked out, he said to me, you know, we have got to get together once a week, have to. And I sat there and I thought to myself, busy, 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 accomplished, 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 not living, then all of a sudden for two hours I lived, I dreamt, I shared my dreams, and it brought life to me, and it brought life to him. And I sat there and I'm like, Lord, help me to dream more. Help me to live more. Help me to be living the dream, living what you've called me to live. It says in Acts 17, 28, most of you know that from an old song back in the day. But it says, in him we live and move and have our being. Can I be honest with you? That is not necessarily the truth anymore. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. Most people, if they're going to quote it truthfully, would say, in him We come to church on Sundays, we pray when we're in trouble, and we serve him when we want to. What the book of Acts, what the early church had that we need to get back is that in everything in their life, it came through him. Through him. In him, we live. In him, we move. Everything we accomplish. And most of all, in him... We have our being. Our very existence relies upon him. If we're not in him, we're not truly living. Don't kid yourself. Someday, you're going to turn back and look and say, I never lived. I want to end with this comment. I read this quote recently. It was awesome. This is what this guy said. He goes, do you know that the richest richest parts of this world are not oil fields, nor diamond mines, nor gold mines. It's not the richest part of this world. The richest part of this world are cemeteries where people died, never dreaming, never using the potential God gave them. Cemeteries are the richest places in the world because there's dead dreams throughout them. And when I read that, I thought, "Wow, Lord, don't let any of us die not reaching the potential that God has for us let none of us die I want to tell you right now can I be honest with you when we die let us be empty I've been thinking about this a lot I've been talking to people about this a lot but I said I'm going to change my spiritual will it's no longer going to be everybody gets everything after I'm dead I'm going to give it all away before I'm dead give it all away I want to die empty. I don't want to guard or protect any ounce of anything that God has given me. I want to give it all away. I want there to be people that when I die, look at it and say, I would not be where I am without him, without his influence on my life. I want to go to the grave and make it that grave the most barren, dead place on earth.